0: And Welcome to the Triple Threat Basketball Podcast, where we just don't discuss basketball, we debate basketball, and I'm your host, Maurice Dixon, and today we're doing things a little differently. Um, The NBA doesn't have much going on, that's my usual uh, focus of discussion, but we dropped down a couple levels to the high school level, and we want to debate some stuff, some things we think should change, maybe stay the same. Right now, I have coach David May of the West Forsyth girls basketball team here in Georgia on the line. Um, how you doing coach May?
1: Good. How are you
0: doing? Great. Doing great. We're waiting for everybody else to punch in on the line. Um, I've sent out the the link. Um, shouldn't be too much longer. Coach Welsh and coach Cardin along with, uh, Jay Hillsman who does similar work to myself, but while we wait, coach, um, how did the summer go for your, your girls as far as preparing for the upcoming season?
1: Uh, summer went great. You know, June is a really busy month with uh, the team stuff. And then it was great in July. We had some girls playing some local stuff around Atlanta to get out and watch them play with different teams and just kind of sit back as a fan and enjoy watching them and, and see them improve on what they work at.
0: Oh, okay. Did you go to any? specialized camps or anything, um, Taking any trips out of town?
1: Yeah, we went, uh, as a team, we went to the Clemson team camp, played there a couple days. Uh, you know, we really used the summer as more of a um, kind of an individual improvement type uh, session, really hit our girls hard on skills. And uh, so, but we did go to a team camp in Clemson. And we focus more on the daily basis of just kind of improving as individuals.
0: Okay, good to know. What a what are some is pretty early, but what are some some of the expectations you have for your team this coming season?
1: I mean, our team was really young last year. Um, we had no seniors that played for us. Um, you know, so we started three freshmen. Uh, so to get all of the you know, last year we went into the season not really knowing what we had, how kids were going to mesh together. Our kids who had been around were kind of forced into playing new roles because the freshmen we have had coming in were, were good players who were going to play a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, this year coming back, everyone kind of has a lot better understanding what their role is. Um, and, you know, I think just the team chemistry overall is something that, you know, we can kind of get out of the way from day one because we know what we're dealing
0: with. Yeah, team chemistry is always good because you know, you have chemistry, everyone knows where this player, that player is supposed to be and how you how you gonna you know, focus defensively just on both the ends of the course so that's always definitely a good thing to good thing to have.
1: Yeah, and with the addition of some new kids our style changed mm-hmm. and you know, so we have kids who you know the previous year were big time offensive players for us but you know because of the addition of three kids who are pretty good you know they they kind of had to step back a little bit offensively and what they were doing um so you know it takes some time to work through that a little bit especially with high school kids understanding their role uh getting familiar with that role um, you know so i towards the second half of the season our kids did a really good job of you know picking up on that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. so we're kind of excited to get going into this year knowing a little bit more about what we have and a little bit more about what we can do on the offensive and defensive ends of the floor
0: oh okay okay good good to know uh coach you more of a nba fan college fan college basketball fan
1: um, I probably watch more NBA than college. So, I mean, during our season, I don't watch a ton of college basketball. I try to, you know, you just get busy with all the stuff we're doing, but I do try to catch some late NBA, NBA games. Um, and then, you know, hit college basketball hard in February and March and, uh, then switch to the NBA. So I, I like, I like both, but I would say I, I do prefer watching NBA over
2: college.
0: Oh, Okay. A lot of, lot of movement in the NBA this offseason. Free agents just, you know, Kawhi Leonard going to the Clippers. Uh, before that, Anthony Davis traded to the Lakers. You got people like Mike Conley going to Utah. Just a, just a whole lot of, Jimmy Butler going to Miami, a whole lot of movement. What did you think of all the transactions and movement that have happened at that level of play?
1: Oh, I love it. I think it's going to set up an exciting season. So, I mean, I'm a huge, I'm from Columbus, Ohio. So I'm. I grew up, not only grew up, but kind of grew up coaching and and watched LeBron, you know, grow up playing. And so I'm a huge LeBron fan, so seeing the Lakers be able to add some pieces and just, I think, the overall balance now of the NBA, it's going to be a really, really fun season.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. We're kind of, I think, moving away from the super team era and, you know, obviously what Golden State had and before that what the Miami Heat had with LeBron, Bosh, and Wade. And it's back to the you know the dy- dynamic duo in a sense right now with everything kind of being balanced and somewhat in both conferences, but still think the West is the supreme, superior, confident conference. But you never know who when you when you get to the finals, like you never know what's going to happen. Like with how Golden State just uh, the amount of minutes just pretty much bit him in the rear end this year, and Toronto ended up making a the the move by Masai jury was a risky move they did lose Kawhi Leonard but hey they got their first championship ever so you know they they're forever no they're forever separate from all the teams that don't have a title so
1: yeah it was, a, it was a good move for Toronto I mean I think that's a risk you have to take in getting uh Kawhi in there even knowing he could just be a one-year player but you know I mean everything worked out in their favor worked out for him and they got a title out of it and I bet they would probably do that you know, if they had the chance to do that again, they would do it every single time. Um, yeah, you're right. With with the all the player movement, I mean, and, and no super team. And right now, you look at the West, and there there could be six teams who you could make a legit argument could probably come out of the West. And now, you know, when we get into the season, that's probably going to change a little bit as teams. You think, oh, this team could work really well, and they just like the chemistry just ends up not working, but. Right now going in, I don't remember a season where you have this many teams who all think they have a legit chance of winning a championship.
0: Right, yeah, that's that that's always good for especially for a guy like myself who doesn't necessarily have a have a team, but I just you know, like uh, I like that.
1: So you're breaking up there for a second. I did out there.
0: It's really gonna be
1: for me
0: because I
1: really have,
0: really
1: have a team, I'm not a thing, I think,
0: man. And you got like of players I'm gonna put in the project
3: and team. And
0: trade by I'm you don't know NBA can be very predictable. A lot of time. Are you still there, Coach? Please, we have some technical difficulties, folks. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. And we are back, folks. And now we have Coach Carthen on the line. How's it going, Coach?
2: Good. Maurice, how you doing?
0: Doing great. Doing great. We're trying to get everyone in. Um, I was talking with Coach May for a while. It seemed like he was traveling, and he and he cut out. Okay. Um Coach Wells. Coach Wells should be joining us soon. I think. Like I heard him. Let me let me make sure he gets this next link. Okay. But um, before, while we wait on him, um, how how the how did off how does the off season training go for you for your guys and everything?
2: Well, as- Maurice, we we've had a really good summer. Uh, I mean, um, uh, I, matter of fact, I just went up to the gym a little bit early because I had a kid uh, uh, calling said, coach. Can I get in the gym? And uh, so went up there and opened it for him and everything. And uh, we we got the shooters' nest coming. In. I don't know if you know what that is. But it's a, group that uh that has some uh, a bunch of guns set up in a uh, big building and everything we go over there and train with them sometimes and everything but we've uh okay. I mean we've done a, a ton of stuff this summer you know all my kids play AAU so they were on the AAU circuit in July but I think we played 32 games in uh, in, in uh, June which uh uh, I made it 32 because that corresponds to about how many you got to win to win a state championship. You can you can ask Rory uh-huh. about that. He knows that.
1: <laughs>
2: uh-huh. <laughs> no, but we, we yeah. did a lot this summer. Did a lot. What? Yeah, I got
0: looks like you're very proud. Like we have Coach Carlin on the line as well right now and Coach Welch, so we're –
3: Right, yeah, we're here. We're ready to roll.
0: We don't. We don't have Coach May, so we're waiting on Coach May to get back in. But um, okay, yeah, folks, this is the Triple Threat Basketball Podcast, and we also we have Coach Carden on the line from the Sequoias Boys Basketball Team here in Georgia, and Coach Welsh, the two-time champion coach at Langston Hughes High School. Thank, thanks for. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining my podcast. Um, how's it going today?
2: All Very as well. Well, no Very well. Excited about, about well. being here. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Glad Likewise. Have, Likewise.
0: Glad to have you. So, we want to get right to the. Okay, now now we do have um, Coach Mayan with us as well. So we want to go ahead and get this get this started. Uh, who's Who's for a shot clock and who's not for a shot clock? Coach Wells dropped out.
2: I oh, just did. So, yeah, on. so he probably. Oh no, he went. I see uh, Coach May's in now.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm here. So, um, while you two guys are on it, are you both for a shot clock, or, or both not for
1: Georgia?
2: Uh, Coach May, you want to go first. Or you want me to?
1: It, it doesn't matter. I mean, I, I am against a shot clock for high school kids.
2: Okay, one hundred percent. I am. I am for the shot clock. Um, you know. It uh, helps in development. Uh, I think it's more the uh, the reasons that I mean. Remember, USA is really the only one that doesn't have, doesn't play with a short clock in um, in high school basketball. Uh, just think, it lends itself to more exciting games, more possessions, obviously, and. Uh, you know, I'm a coach that likes to play very fast, uh, and I'm one that plays fast slow, uh, meaning that uh, uh, you know we're going to play very fast. We're going to try to get a we're going to try to get a basket in seven seconds. Get that. If not, you know we're going to run our secondary break, and if we don't have a secondary break, we're going to run our uh, continuity offense and everything. So. Uh, I'm very much for it uh, just because to be true, I can't believe me of all people it saying it, it takes a little bit of the coaching out of it because the kids have to learn to read, react, uh, uh, make decisions, probably even before the ball gets to them. So um, I'm, I'm very much for it. I really personally don't think it would, it would really impact the game very much. No, okay. I, I agree. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't,
1: I think that, I mean, that's kind of one reason why I'm not against it. I mean, there are, there are multiple reasons, but one reason is I really don't – I mean, first of all, what what is the time period you're looking at? I mean, uh, whether it be 30 seconds, 40 seconds, whatever. Um, you know, I mean, as we're watching games and I'm watching – I mean, I'm a girls coach, so I watch our teams. I watch teams we scout, and then I'm watching varsity boys games that play after us. I don't know how many of those games that I've seen where possessions go into the 30- to 40-second range. So, you know, I guess the first thing would be I I don't know. I I just don't know the impact it would have on the high school game.
3: Uh, Uh, Well, as far as myself, um, yeah, one of the things I look at is I really don't think you will notice the impact of the shot clock really until the fourth quarter of games on the high school level. Yeah. I think it's not going to speed up the game. I don't think it's going to slow down the game. But I really think the biggest impact you're going to see is down the stretch when it's, you know, quote-unquote winning time, teams will not. It's just the bottom. It's like the elephant in the room. Yeah, we have all these different reasons why we are or are not for the shot clock, but on the high school level, the biggest thing that at the end of the game teams will have to execute and each team is going to have opportunities you won't walk away going to have to execute and then you can to defend in order to finish out a game versus playing four corners and a ball for three, four minutes at a time it's just I mean I think the game um, has evolved in place here in Georgia you need it.
0: We trouble. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We're some trouble. Can you, can you go ahead now? Yeah, well, we're, just, we're just kind
3: of getting to
0: the point here we to in high school basketball. We're still, we're still not hearing nothing. Someone must be traveling up here.
1: Yeah, okay, well, you,
2: we're, yeah. we're having a rough time hearing you. I, I can make out some of the stuff you're saying. It's because I know where you're going,
1: with it, so I can understand what you're saying. Yeah, I got a, I got a little bit. I mean, the gist of it, and you know, the that is the thing of, of you know, teams do that. And you know, I, I mean, we had a team in our region a few years ago, and we had a big girl who could not come out on the floor and guard people. And we knew that if it's a fourth quarter and we're down by a point, they're gonna they're gonna bring the ball out and hold it. And, yeah. you know, and I mean, we knew that going in and I think you just have to prepare for that and you have to prepare your team for that. I just don't like the idea of taking that strategy out of the game. I think the shot clock benefits teams who are more talented. And I don't know that we, we really want to implement something that's going to benefit a more talented team even more, especially at the high school level when we can't recruit our athletes. Um I just I don't know how fair that is at the high school level when, you know, schools or our teams are playing with, you know, kids who live in their district or whatever. Uh, you know, you have to change your styles based on your personnel. You can't recruit your personnel based on your style. And I, I think adding that shot clock in there to take that, take that, you know, part that strategic part of the game away. I don't know that that's right to do at the high school level.
2: Well, one uh, yeah, point on,
0: you guys hear me now? you still sound kind of distant.
2: Yeah, you're. You sound like in a tunnel. Wow. I don't know what it is. Geez. Um. Well, look, look. Here, here's uh, everything that David is saying is is very valid, you know, and um, and and the thing about it, I really wouldn't think you would even notice it a lot, but. I've also heard some uh, you know a lot of it depends on the, the, the time frame you know is it 30 is it 35 is it 45 you know obviously I think the the 35 second shot clock would be good for high school uh, 30 in my opinion would be better uh, we were able to play with that uh, David I don't know if you've got to see some of the games in the NCA uh, camp that uh, Roy and I both were uh involved in and everything and I was fortunate enough to get to play on two two games with shot clocks and to be truthful, I had a really really good time preparing our kids for it and and the kids did a much better job adapting to it than I did uh, uh we were we were playing in our second game um uh, and uh you know the kids were more in tune to it than I was you know because there was one time I looked at them and says hey guys just run your offense coach we got a shot clock and I said yeah you're right you're right good job good call you know and um, you know and of course I've also heard that you know hey let's uh, let's run a shot clock and turn it off with four minutes you get I've even heard that one gosh that would be perfect to me You because know, that's when I would want to run our continuity offense uh, control the game a little bit but uh you know there's just there, there's so many aspects of coming into it I just know that when we were preparing for it our kids had a great time
1: yeah I don't disagree that it would be different and it would be you know it would be fun as a coach to prepare for um but you know I just like I said I and I do agree, I don't think it would impact a big part of the game. I'm not a fan of ever changing the rules at the end of the game. You know, I think the rules the first quarter should be the same rules the fourth quarter. Um, yeah. You know, I just yeah. think that's the way – I just think it's more consistent that way. But, uh, you know, and not saying – I mean, our the team I have right now, I mean, we we play really fast. I mean, we want to get up and down. But, you know, for example, we're a smaller team. We have no post players. So if we're playing a bigger team who can't guard us when we space the floor out man-to-man, well, they just want to sit back in a zone. Well, a shot clock is going to reward that team because they're not going to have to come out of that zone and come out and play us man-to-man. But that may be the only weapon we have against playing a a much bigger team like that. And, you know, where I can't just go out and bring in a couple big kids and recruit them, I have to fit the style of my players. And, you know, right now... I can pull it out and make them make them try to come play me man to man, so I can kind of explode. I can exploit some of their weaknesses defensively by making them spread out on the floor, just like when they're in the half court offense, they can exploit some of my weaknesses of not having any post players. So you know, I think it kind of keeps that a little more balanced for both of those two situations.
0: So you, what you
3: well,
1: think.
0: I- Go ahead,
1: go ahead, Coach go. Will. What I was going to say is that
3: I think that the shot clock would actually give less talented teams an advantage. Because if you're a less talented team and you go use a junk defense, well, now you're forcing that more talented team to have to execute versus that junk defense. Whereas of right now, if you go to uh, Triangle and Two, um, defense well the offense will just say well, you know, we're going to pull the ball out we're going to hold it we're not going to play first year triangle and two we're just going to stare at you and hold the ball and force you to come out of it but if there's a shot clock in play well now this talented team is going to have to execute and they're going to have to do it in 30 seconds or whatever the clock may be so I think the shot clock will actually balance out the disparity between the talent of the two teams I mean, we've seen it happen a ton of times. I'll never forget, because I graduated high school in 1997. And I remember in 1996, I'm watching the final four. Utah was playing the University of Arizona. Arizona was number one in the country. And Utah ran a triangle and two defense, which yeah. I had never seen at that time, playing high school basketball. And they won that game. Yeah. They won that game. They upset Arizona the second year when they were trying to go for the back-to-back. And... Um, I just think situations like that make more talented teams have to execute. They can't rely simply on talent, and, and it'll give a little advantage for, the, you know, the teams that are not as talented and not as skilled.
1: Yeah, I, I can see that for two teams who may be, you know, more evenly talented with maybe one team having a slight edge. But if I'm playing a team that's much more talented than I, than I am – and I'm playing a junk defense and they just sit out and hold it, that's exactly what I want because I want to limit possessions. I want to keep that score as low as possible to give me a chance in that game. So I mean, if, if they're if they're gonna hold the ball, I'm I'm perfectly okay with that if I'm playing a team that's that's much more talented than my team.
0: Okay, so what we have to realize here I think is I'm not old enough to remember, but remember when the shot clock it came into effect to to eliminate, I guess, make the playing the playing feel a little fair or eliminate people having to watch keep away basketball. Nobody I know coaches don't care about that. Coaches just want to win. I mean, Westlake a few years ago, they um got the jump they got the jump ball and held the ball for three minutes. And then Chumo KK scored the winning basket and the other team couldn't counter. So when when you have I hear both sides, but when you have this, it's just not – what about it being not pleasing to watch because, okay, if you know if a team is up a few possessions going to the fourth quarter, are we just going to have to start expecting one team to play keep away just because they want to – I mean, the object is to win, but we don't want to see them play keep away. We want to see them play to win the game.
1: Yeah, and that – I mean, that is – that's the other side of it. And, you know, if we're in the entertainment business, like the NBA – you know, the NBA shot clock is 24 seconds because they want many more possessions and they want the best team to win and they want that style of game up and down that fans like. Um, you know, but I can tell you for some teams in high school, it's never pleasing to watch. So we all we all have seen those teams. We all have had those teams. And, you know, it's just a little bit different at the high school level, I think, than at the NBA.
2: Well, and, and you, were, you were talking about uh... – uh, you know, Rick Majerus back uh, years ago when he coached at Utah and everything. And I do remember that time. I remember I, I actually played uh, – you know, I was in college 82 through 86, and the three-point line didn't come into 87. And uh, at that time, there were just a few schools or a few conferences, I think, uh, one one being the ACC that even played with a shot clock. And if, if, if you guys can remember back during that time, that was when – uh, Dean Smith was at North Carolina. Um, of course, John Thompson was at Georgetown. And they would employ, you know, the four corners and uh, bring it out. And one guy would control the ball. And, and I always said, I don't understand why they were allowed to do that because it looks like to me that, you know, go put some pressure on them defensively. Now, I know we're talking about a big disparity in talent, uh, David. So it's counter to what you were talking about with maybe high school girls and some high school boys. Um, but you know, personally, I'm not going to ever let a team hold the ball just because we're going to go and, and, and trap them and force the uh, uh, you know, the offense to do something, make extra passes. And uh, you know, if they're able to do that, then they're, they're going to do it, but I'm, I'm just never going to let that happen. And then also, the other argument I've always said, if I was ever going to hold the ball, which, like I said, I've been coaching a long time and I have done that. But my idea of holding the ball is if it takes one pass to get a layup, I'm going to do that. If it takes 101 passes to layup on, I'm going to do that. So that's kind of the way I look at it. I, I like the idea of, of somebody not being able to hold that ball with a minute 44 to go, you know, and upset you can't do it, you know. And, uh, you know, and like I said, the kids, I, I think the kids adapt, will adapt more than the coaches will and easier too. And I saw that in in, in two or three practices leading up to the NCAA.
0: Oh uh, well let me throw this question out here for you for you guys. Um for you coach. I'm sorry, coach Coach May, do you think a shot clock will make the game more reckless?
1: No, I don't think a shot clock will make the game more reckless. I mean, you know it is it is. I, I love watching the NBA at the end of a game. And, you know, when you have a minute and a half left and mm-hmm. so much strategy comes into play and, OK, they don't have to foul now because they're going to have to shoot. You have the, the two for one, you know, which, you know, there is a lot of strategy in that of all. But we're also talking about a, you know, the best players in the world and and limited teams. So, you know, the talent gap is just not as great as at the high school level. Uh, you know, that that's my – it's not that I'm against the shot clock. I, I like the shot clock at, in the NBA. I mean, I think – you know, I love watching that. It's, mm-hmm. it's fun. It makes the end of games fun. So much – so many different things come into play. But I'm just against the shot clock in high school when the talent gap between teams is so great. And it does take a strategic part. You know, if you have a team who may not be very good, but they – but you can they can be extremely disciplined in what they're doing offensively. Basically, they can be better on offense for a longer period of time than the defense can be good. Then that gives them a chance to be in a basketball game. And I just think at the mm-hmm. high school level, while there's such a gap in the talent, I think you have to keep mm-hmm. that in there just to keep that integrity of what's going on.
0: Would and you, would you go not- for? It?
3: Go ahead. To kind of piggyback on that comment, um, you know, one of of the things we wanted to keep at the heart of the issue was that we actually want the game to be uniform. Like, football has a 25-second play. Play box instituted on high school level, the college level, and the professional level. And with basketball, a lot of disparities there. So, you know, one of the, you know, kind of, you know, building
2: blocks from this whole. Yeah, we lost you again, Roy. You're going in and out.
0: Yeah, we're there. You may want to um, go out and then come back in via <laughs> link.
2: Yeah, you, but, were, you were going good, and then uh, we lost you a minute.
0: For, for Coach Coach May, would you would you be uh, for uh, saying the postseason they changed they put in some type of shot clock for the postseason? Would you be in favor of that?
1: Um, you know, I would be more. I think in the postseason, I think it has a better chance of of um, you know being effective. The only thing I wouldn't like about that is now you're you're kind of changing the way the game is played in the postseason, and your kids have to yeah. learn different rules. I mean, I get what you're saying. I do think. That Part uh, of this is the officials like, you know, I mean, we're we're trying to add something to the officials that at times we know is going to cause controversy and be very hard for them to handle. I mean, there are times when we watch replays in the NBA and the NCAA and we can't even tell them. Mm-hmm. We watch slow motion replays and you still can't tell whether the ball hit the rim or not. Yeah. So, you, So you're putting, you know, once again, you're putting a crunch time decision in the hands of officials and there are going to be times when that's just going to be a that's just going to be bad you know when an official has to decide you know a team gets an offensive rebound well how much time do they have to shoot did it hit the rim or did it not hit the rim uh you know you're going to leave mm-hmm. that up to someone sitting at half court who works at that school um you know i just i just think once again you're putting you're you're putting a lot of emphasis on something that you know, it's not have that big of effect on the game, and you're going to put it in the hands of officials and let them create, not that they're doing it on purpose, but there's just going to be times where they can't tell whether that ball hits the rim or doesn't hit the rim. And the person at the scores table is not going to be able to tell either. And it just creates a whole nother area where we can add controversy to the game and give more power to officials to influence the outcome of a game.
2: Which sounds like a, a another whole podcast. We can start getting on officials about that. So. Well, no, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not speaking. Yeah, I'm not
1: speaking negative about officiating. I'm just saying. With, yeah, there's no way you can add the shot clock and not say that it is not that it's not going to impact officiating. I, I mean, I doubt I doubt officials would would want that at all. I mean, they might. I don't know, but I just think that makes their job a whole lot harder.
2: And the job is already hard enough. Yeah, that's that's a good point. You know, that's a really good point about officials and everything. But it could, again, I, I I don't think we uh, we really have control over that one. You know, it's one of those things. If, if Georgia high school would have voted in there, like you know, there are I think five states or maybe eight states that, that implement this and everything. And they see uh, you know seeing the praises of it and everything. I think you just adapt. And 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 here's the thing about it, uh, uh, David. It, you know, it, I think it's coming. You know, I don't know when I don't know you know like I say I'm getting ready to start my thirty fourth year I don't really know how much longer I am going but I really hope I'm still around for when it does implement it because again I want to uh, I, I think it's a lot of fun to coach in I think the kids will uh, but yeah all the points you brought up are very valid you know uh, but I think it is gonna make the game more exciting it's gonna it's going to make you as a coach uh, really have to rep that stuff, okay? You're going to have to rep your kids on on what to do in the early offense, what to do in the middle part of the offense, and what to do in the late shot clock. I mean, that's the three phases of shot clock.
1: Yeah, and, and that's – I mean, that's yeah. another reason why I don't like it is because at the high school level, we're trying – we're still trying to develop kids, and that's going to take more practice time away from skill development, and I'm going to have to spend more time into – you know, coaching to the shot clock. And, you know, I mean, that I, I'm a big Whoa. guy. I, I love individual skill development. I mean, our philosophy is we get our players better individually and that we get five players who are all better than last year, then our team is going to be better than last year. And, uh, you know, I, I think that, I mean, without a doubt, when and I do agree, it's probably going to come. I don't know when, but, I mean, it seems like the vast majority of coaches are for it. Um, but I just, I
2: just, you
1: know, I think it takes time away from that skill development piece also. Well,
2: now see, I, now I'll just, I'll disagree a little bit on that. I think you would have to do more skill development, you know, because you're not going to be able to. Uh, you know, just rely on, on your pattern. And, and like I say, I'm a, I'm a fast, let, let's fast, let, let's uh, press, let's really get after it. But if we don't have it, you know, you got to run this continuity offense, but uh, the, the, the key to any effective pro is skill development, you know, and I think right. we are going to have to do more of that, which, like I say, in my practice, I probably overdo it on skill development. Um, and probably overdo it on defense too. You know what we don't work on as much as his continuity offense and, and sets and everything. I mean, I uh, and, and that's ironic because people say, "Man, y'all run good stuff." And I, you know, I said, "Yeah, we don't work on that much. We work on skills and defense all the time." And, you know, so uh, again, I think I think it would actually uh, help the skill development.
0: Uh, what do you have, Coach? To say, Coach Brooks, about what we're talking about now.
3: Well, I think, you know, any coach, any program, you're going to have to balance out, you know, all of the intricacies that come with it. You know, we have coach to show with the skill development piece out of season. Um, that's year round. You know, we have the whole month of June. You have, you know, free reign in July. Uh, you know, so I think we time to work in the skill development piece. And, you know, the, you know, the bottom line is with the shot clock, we want the game to progress into the current of what's going on outside of just the state of Georgia. You know, there's 12 states actually that are 12. Us kind of sit behind the ball and say, ah, there's so many different things that could go wrong. Well, that's true. There's a lot of things that could go wrong. But I think that by us moving into the current climate, not only nationally, worldwide. I mean, we got kids over in Europe that play with the shot clock that are eight years old. Nine, they, they've only played with the shot clock We've never had anything else except for a shot clock. And I really don't think it going be that noticeable outside of the last, you know, four minutes of a game or the, the ball out. I mean, that's just a lot of people. You won't be able to do that next and you know, all the same thing you know how to operate the shot clock, not outside of the realm. Of uh, I think it's being a well, yeah. the fairness of play, fairness of play um, your team are having adequate amount of time, that's the ball. Like, I have one. example. He didn't you know get the shot clock and the reason he poked the shot clock is no longer a coach or He opposed the shot clock because uh, 10 years ago he held the ball for six minutes. He, the number one in the region tournament, he advanced when he puts it out. So I thought to myself, that one pin that one thing he got for holding that ball for almost six is perfect not allowing the games to progress into the current climate it's at now and I kinda of thought that was off too a little bit. So um I just think it could be done. I think it could be done. I think we're talking enough. I think we have resources and they've the product and I think it could be better. You know, I think it could be better in
2: shot clock kind of in that direction.
1: Well and, okay. and, and and you know some
2: coach it's it, it's kind of you made the comment about uh, hey we held the ball uh, and beat the number one team. Well, you know, shame on the number one team for allowing them to hold the ball. You know, that's, that's kind of what right. it is. <laughs> exactly. You know, if, if, if you're that good, force the action. I mean, you know. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and look, you're, you're coming from somebody that, that you know. Our, our philosophy. I tell our we communicate this to our kids all the time. Look, I want I want you to play as I want you to play hundred miles an hour for basically 28 minutes, you know, because when, when four, when the, the first whistle under four minutes is winning time to me, and then we start looking at score and situation and time and, and everything, you know, <laughs> that's why, you know, yeah. watching the, 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 basketball tournament, well, I love the Elam ending, you know, uh, well, there's a whole nother, uh, another subject and everything, but oh yeah, just because they make you continue to play uh, and and like I say I, I'm going from experience in the uh, in the NCA camp that we had and you know, we were playing our second game and and here's the thing about it we had a you know we had like a 14 15 point lead under four minutes with uh, against uh, Sharma's group and uh, you know they went to a zone <laughs> you know and and it kind of negated us a little bit. We still ended up winning the game, but uh, it, it, it ended up getting down to seven or eight points, where we had to go make a play to win. As opposed, because if we were up 14 with under four, we're gonna run our continuity, hold the ball a little bit, take three. Remember, you still gotta you still gotta score the ball, even when late in the game when you got it. This, this thing that everybody says, hey, you don't have to shoot; it's going to score. That's not true. You know, you still got to go score points. In order to do that, I like the idea. Hey, look, we're gonna hold it for 35 seconds, but you know, at the at the eight-second mark, we're gonna go try to make a play. If we don't make that play, you better get back and defend. So, uh, uh, you know, I, I know David probably don't like to hear that from a from a high school girl standpoint and everything, but that's that's the reason I like it is that I want that shot clock and I want to be able. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna defend for for 35 seconds. Uh, in this zone or this trapping zone, if they can get it as opposed to uh, getting the layup and everything. So, uh, I like the idea of just not being able to hold it. I like the idea of the kids being able to read and react. I, and I also, the biggest thing, is I like the idea. It takes a little bit of the coaching out of it, decision making, late in game too. You still got to play. You get to coach a little bit. You still got to play. Hmm.
0: Just, good stuff. All. One thing, one more thing, I want to address. As far as the shot clock, do you guys think that with the with the shot clock, will that um how would that affect um would that make make it make for less five second calls because five second calls I see sometimes can be very subjective. I don't because one of you tell me the rule is it you get four seconds you can pick up the ball and you get another four seconds or is it just the man's with their arms length. He's only your five. He's only your five seconds. That's a violation.
2: Well, there you go again, bringing the referees into play. You know, uh, half of them don't know what close to the guard it is. The other half call it. Uh, you know, you're basically you're able to control the ball for twelve seconds, which, in my opinion, with a with a shot clock, you know, that would that would cause not ball not to freeze on those people, not to stick, you know, because uh, we want the ball moved around quickly. I, I don't like standing out there and dribbling and yo-yoing the ball and everything. Uh, now, late in the game. You might, some of the better ball handlers are going to do that. you got a real good point guard. You're going to keep the ball in his hands, even in a shot, whether it's a shot clock or not. You're going to keep the ball in his hands. He may yo-yo it too much. I really don't like that. You know, we would still run some kind of uh, uh, continuity or exchange, you know, because I just don't like the ball to stick with any of my players. I don't care how good they are, you know. But I do want the ball in the hands of my best player in, in a late shot clock. Whether it's an isolation or whether it's, uh, uh, you know, some type of continuity, a pin down, uh, you know, a floppy set, whatever it is, we're going to run things. And, you know, that, that's one of the reasons I don't know. And I'm sure you other coaches do it, too. Uh, I keep the clock running all the time. You know, the clock never doesn't run during my practices. And, uh, and, and in preparing for the NCAA camp, it was so, the kids had such a great time. Because we had to, we pulled the shot clocks out that the, that the football team had <laughs> and used it and everything. And it was a, It was a load of fun and the kids enjoyed it. and, and I felt like they got better and when it came to that situation in the game, we were able to, uh, to do it they adapted to it much better than I did because like I say, I made a mistake one time just saying, well, hey run your stuff, coach you're only eight seconds left. we can't. Hey, good shot you know it's what I ended up telling the kid. It was my point guard. I just thought, how sharp is this kid? You know, I hope these college coaches are seeing this. I hope they didn't see me make a mistake, and I hope they saw how smart he is. That's the way I look at it.
0: Okay, do we – anyone else want to respond to the question? Or? Yeah,
3: I agree. I mean, I think that five-second that five-second, closely guarded, you know, call is somewhat subjective. Um it, it kind of does speed up ball handlers, and it kind of does force the action. I really don't think you probably would need that call if you have the shot clock in play. Um, you know, if that's the way college basketball is gone, and you kind of see the, the results of that. So, yeah, if, if we're able to get the shot clock in, then I think the next thing out
1: would be the close to guarded um, call that you're able to make now. Yeah, I think those should go hand in hand. Like it, when the shot clock. Is put in, I think they should take that out. You know, you're going to add some uh, burden onto the officials. Yeah, ease it up a little bit by taking that five-second call out because you, you don't need it anymore. The shot clock has taken. Yeah, I, I agree with that. That's
2: that, that is very good valid points. Very good.
0: What was what was that point again, Coach? I'm sorry, I missed it. though. um the line was weird.
2: Uh, I, well, he was just talking about uh, taking – if you're going to put the shot clock in, you would take – and, and the, the officials are going to have the burden of, of, of you know, keeping an eye on that and everything. They should take off one of the things they do because it's so subjective on uh, on, on the six-foot closely guarded or five-foot closely guarded or their hands out. Uh, so it would probably be taken away if that comes – you know, who knows. But uh, – I think that would be a be a good strategy for officials to have and everything. You know, uh, remember if that comes, it would give them a little bit one less thing to worry about.
0: It would so late, late I played a little high school basketball, not the level of some of you guys players, anything like that, but when it when it when I just think about the end of a game and you have to try to get a five second call late in the fourth quarter, that just seems extremely hard, is there? I don't want to make excuses for conditioning or anything, but I feel like that's why I feel like the shot clock would help as opposed to doing something that's just so strenuous to try to get a five-second call if you're not trapping, and the team is just going to run the clock out on you. Yeah, well, I, 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 think I think that's
2: one of the most difficult you, things to do. Yeah, I think that's where you I mean uh, you go to a trap and you know if you're just trying to get a five second call but a lot of it goes back to you know if you're in a shot clock you're gonna try to, you're going to try to pressure them uh, and, and trap them and move you know you know i just don't think you're just going to allow them to run it out but again it goes back to your situation you know think about it. you're you're down six you know with uh a minute 15 to go you know, look i know i'm going to get two more possessions maybe three and, um, you know, the kids are going to have to know, hey, we we can actually go back and stand in a zone as opposed to trapping because you're going to have to give us a possession, you know, whereas whereas if you're up up six with 115, you go, we're holding the ball, and you're going to have to come foul us, you know. Um, I, I think there's a lot of different strategies you can go. Remember, if, if we're down six, so you can still go foul and, and put them on the line and try to make them miss that and everything. You don't have to wait. There's a lot of different scenarios you can do to come back to win a game and also different scenarios you can do when you're ahead. So I, I just think it gives you co- the coaching aspect of it a ton of different options that you can do to get yourself back in the game to either win or lose the game. Remember, somebody's going to lose. If you wear a shot clock, somebody's going to lose the game because they were up 7 or 8 and they couldn't hold the ball. You know, that's... That's the thing about it. so so those guys are not going to like it. And, you know, the guy that was behind is going to like it.
0: What were you going to say, Coach Welsh?
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, just there there's plenty
3: of opportunities for you to try to come back into the game. You know, instead of having to be filing under. You need know, to when you're doing mistakes, you're gonna get more opportunities before it gets stopped. No matter how you it, there is a shot clock in play. So I just think it would just open up the opportunities to teams have opportunities to win games. I mean you just don't have to resort to filing, you don't have to resort to dumb luck. And we know the chance of getting closely guarded to giving those closely guarded calls, you know, down the stretch of a game is all people to do. So to so add a little bit of balance. Um, to that we're
0: Okay, I wanna. What was that?
1: Yeah, I, I didn't catch much of that. Sorry.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was this this app sometimes acts up. Coach Welsh, we have having a little trouble hearing you. I don't, I don't know what's going on. I apologize. Jeez. <laughs> but what I uh, maybe we get Coach Welsh back in. But what I what I do want to shift gears to here is. Uh, something else. I know you guys talk a lot about putting the onus or um, decisions on the officials, but uh, as I asked some questions last year, I know Coach Welsh was a big advocate of a charge block circle because it that can impact the game greatly. Anyway, even though officials officials are a part of the game, they're going to make mistakes. They're they're human, just like everyone else. But you dunk on a guy, he's in he's under the basket. They're going to give him the and one. You, you lay it up, it's gonna be a block. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there's no there's no consistency. So a guy floats the ball, and a guy slides over in front of him, it's gonna be a charge, and the, the ball's gone. He's just trying to come down his landing space. So with a charge block circle, I think you can eliminate a lot of that a lot of that stuff, and it wouldn't be, it shouldn't be too, it shouldn't become too much of an issue of oh was it a, was it full in the line or maybe you'll have that, but We'll have a clearer understanding of what who who the foul is on. Uh, How do you feel about it, Coach Welsh?
3: Yeah, well, I I think it would actually make the game easier to officiate. I mean, the officials are accustomed to using the line for various calls. If you're standing out of bounds and you're making an inbounds pass, and then you step on that out of bounds line, guess what? It's going to be called, and you're going to lose that ball. So I think if we had a block charge circle in there, you know, for that player control file, it would make it easy to officiate whether or not it's a charge, whether or not it's blocked. block. And the bottom line is player safety. Players should have the ability to come down without landing on people and build people, to, you know, not be called for a violation. You know, that. So if you protect shooters, shooters are allowed to shoot one shot. I Hit the ground it's underneath them. If there should shooting a three point shot, it's going to on a foul. It should be the same way underneath the basket. And your body's on the ground and it's a shock. It come down and, and, and be able to hit the without landing on Yeah, okay. I, I didn't.
1: I didn't catch all of that, but I think I caught the gist of, oh, of most of it. Um, yeah, I agree. I think a block charge line would be beneficial to the officials. I think it's going to help them, make it easier for them. I think it's also going to help out, you know, us as coaches and teaching our kids to come over and help and play help defense and take a blocker or, you know, you t- it just goes to another area where you say, Hey, if you know you can't get outside that circle, then you- you're you going to have to make another play on the ball Instead of just trying to set up for a charge, I mean that is you, that is a lot of times where you get kids hurt and they jump in the air, someone comes under them, whatever that's kind of goes against what you're, you you want to do with the with taking a charge on defense. Um, I, I think anything we can do to help out make the game less subjective and from the official standpoint, and I think they would probably appreciate that also where you know, we make a cut and dry, like, hey, if they're outside the line and they're in defensive positioning, that's a charge. If they're inside and even mm-hmm. though they may not be moving, that's still a block. And I think that also helps our kids. And, you know, we can give a more concrete teaching point and we know we're going to have consistency in regards to, you know, what's going to be a block and charge just in terms of where it is on the floor. That's already a hard enough call to make, but if you can kind of – eliminate one aspect of that and where it's at on the floor, then that makes it easier for officials and players, I think, without a doubt.
2: Yeah, I, I think we're all in agreement on, on that and everything. I, You know, anything we can do to make something easier for the officials, we probably need to do that. Uh, that's such a tough call. And, uh, uh, you know, so uh, I agree. I mean, that, that's another way of having a concrete uh spot on the floor to teach the kids hey you got to be out out of outside of this to be able to uh, take this charge and everything other than that you better be trying to block shots or or eliminate the the bucket or the shot and everything you know i mean i, I think we're all in agreement on that and, and i do hope this comes you know i hope this is one that comes and uh you know, it's just something else we'll have to, to put on the floor and everything. But I'm neutral on it. You know, I hope it does come, uh, and uh, yeah, I'll be happy for that one because we'll uh, we'll be able to you know kind of uh, teach that a little bit better. It gives us a concrete teaching point on that. So I'm I hope that does come about. You know, uh, I'm, I'm all for that. One. I think we all are. Oh, okay, is it is there
0: anything else you guys want to see the GHSA implement? As far as you know, <laughs> oh, like oh. to see, I mean, anything change for the better? <laughs> oh, well,
2: Marge, don't get me started here again. Remember, I've, I've seen it for a long, long time, you know. Uh, and and I will say that the, the number one thing, uh, and um, I, I think, uh, just what David. Uh, alluded to earlier, you know, we don't have an opportunity to recruit our players. You know, we're not supposed to be recruiting kids. You know, mm-hmm. we, we all know what goes on. We all know what happens. Um, uh, the biggest thing I would like to be able to do is, is be able to coach my kids in the off-season. Um, uh, remember, I was in Florida for 10 years, and in Florida, they're allowed to coach your, your high school kids. You can have them on an AAU team. You can coach them all. Uh, you know, you just there, there's a few little restrictions you have. You can't, you know, you can't be called your high school team, can't wear your high school colors, can identify with them, but you can, you can coach those kids. Uh, now, when I was at Clearwater High School, uh, I went a little bit overboard with that. I know from the time that the season ended until the season started again, we played 125 games, you know, and uh, it was way, way too much. I just that's what I would like to see is Georgia High School will allow. High school coach used to coach AU teams of, of their players. On if they didn't want to do it, just like in Florida, if they didn't want to do it, they don't do it. It's okay. But I think being with your players, I, I think you're you're able to um, forge that relationship. And, and I don't think the uh, the movement would be quite as big. Might be, but I don't think it would be based on what I've been able to. Uh, you know, over, over the years, what I've been able to ascertain about uh, having that relationship with your players. You know? So, more time with your kids is, is what I wish uh, Georgia High School would allow, you know? you know. Heck with four-on-ones, you know. We do them because we're allowed to do them and everything, but, uh, you know, I'd like to be able to coach my kids, or at least have some time to coach my kids, you
1: know? hmm. Okay.
2: okay. You know, now, remember, Maurice, and, and, you know, some coaches, oh, I don't really want to do that and everything. I, you know, I don't. Want, I want my kids away from me. And, and some coaches will be that way, and that's fine, too. Uh, I, uh, I, I just don't uh, – put it this way. Uh, I had the opportunity to – you know, a lot of my coaches are, or a lot of my players were, were, are being recruited by some of the colleges after the NCAA tournament. And, uh-huh. and I you know, I made, I hope this doesn't offend anybody, but I said look, don't uh don't really judge them on how they play with their AAU team. They uh they play a lot different than they play with me. And and that was very evident when they played. Our kids play different when they play for me as opposed to they play uh with their AAU team. You know. That's the reason I would like more time. I would like more, more time. And college coaches uh in our tournament, and Roy will back me up on this. He'll uh, every single college coach say I love being able to see the kids with uh, with their high school team you know and that was evidence of us you know that we could take back to uh, Georgia high school and said look we need more time for our kids you know, we need to be able to interact with them more in the off season than what we are because uh, you, you know we, we all lose kids you know we've all uh, lost kids to somebody else and mainly because somebody else had more access to. Them. Yeah, there, there's oh, wow. there's another one, which which I think would segue into our our next one of what we we're going to talk about. Do <laughs> do we put our uh, high school kids playing too many minutes? You know, which yeah. you know that that's a good segue into into what I, I think what else we're going to talk about.
0: Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, I've been from what I uh, – some other debate shows I've come across that they're just. Kids just specialize in playing one sport now, and the minutes are racking up. So, by the time the big name guys get to the league, they've already put so much trail on the tires that then it starts. Then you got this whole thing with the NBA trickle down this, this low management where people are resting and they're two and three years in the league. I mean, it's, nobody wants to buy a ticket and go see LeBron James on the bench.
3: Yeah, it's, it's kind of like a you know, like Coach said, you want to spend more time with your players. You know, you want to have the ability to be with them year-round. But then again, you still, you know, want to keep some of that tread off those tires and not have them playing as many games. So, you know, it's just trying to find that balance and, and trying to find the formula that works for your program um, because everybody's program is uniquely different in, in terms of, of what you do and how you do it and your relationships you have with, with your players and your parents, you know, because they're um, so yeah, yeah, it's tough. It's tough to, to kind of to balance that out. I mean, I I'll be honest with you. Totally okay with not coaching guys in July and kind of venturing out and kinda of exploring and hearing some different voices. Um, but we always start then you know, get the gym and get our get our do our due diligence, you know, with our guys as well. But um you know, it's just a catch twenty-two. You want to do more, but you don't want to overdo it. You want to, you know, keep the guy, you know, ready and the girls ready, um, and have them always sharp and fresh. But then again, you want to, you know, try to prevent as much as possible as well. So, you know, it's just trying to find that balance and and, and doing and finding the formula that works best for your program.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a lot different. Also for the NBA, I mean, those guys are traveling, they're getting in late, they're playing back-to-back nights, you know, I mean, in terms of the minute restriction and wear and tear, I don't don't think that, you know, our games are only 32 minutes. I don't think Mm. what we ask of them during the regular season is too much. I mean, I would rather, you know, see if, if we're worried about that, I would rather see a time restriction for practice, you know, much along the lines of what the NCAA or someone else has gone to in terms of a number of hours, you know, I mean, I know some coaches are in, in the gym three, three and a half hours, you know, that, that is a lot to me uh, for kids to be in there. I think that's where we as high school coaches get into more trouble. Um, but in terms of wear and tear during games, I mean, we, we just, we don't have the wear and tear that the NBA guys have. It's a little bit different yeah. in what we're doing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I wanna...
2: that, it, Dave, that's a great point. I, I do wish Georgia high school would put a restriction Uh, on that because, and and I'm saying that being, and I'm a practicing fool, you know, I practice our kids too much and, and, um, I really, really have to to be careful after Christmas, uh, you know, and and I make myself give them times off. I make myself, uh, go one hour and I, and I will put uh, time on the clock and say, we are done at this point, you know, and, uh, I have to do that. Or I know I'll keep them in the, in the gym three hours. And, uh, uh like i say even in the summer we do a lot during the summer and i really try to uh, condense that uh, and that's why i think it's so so important every time you can get your kids uh, a day of rest um I, I think you need to need to do that during the season and of course in the and like i said in the off season uh some remember some of the kids are playing AU ball some of them are not uh you know uh I'm, I'm fortunate. Uh, I do have a couple of kids that play football uh, and I have a kid play uh, some baseball and everything. Uh, but year, I'm going to tell you guys, years ago, you know, uh, we I used to have a bunch of kids that played multiple sports. It's kind of going away now. And uh, my philosophy is, look, if, if you want to play football or you want to play baseball, I am your biggest fan and I'll be on the sidelines and I'll be uh, cheering for you and everything. But if you don't want to play, I'll get you ready for basketball. And, um uh, and that's kind of the way all the coaches are now, you know. I don't, I don't think there's any coaches that are saying, "Hey, you better not be playing basketball. Or you better not be playing football." So, there, there's a lot of time restraints, and there's a lot of ways that you can uh, that you can help that out. And everything, but I, I do wish George, I said, "Look, you on, you can only practice two hours a day," <laughs> and, and I would say, "Okay, good. That's going to actually help me a little bit." You know,
1: well, you know like
2: uh, you know, I was just thinking about this a couple weeks ago
1: when I'm thinking about you know our fall stuff and yeah you know we have kids who <clears throat> started last october they uh you know went through the season season ends in february their au team start prayer travel teams whatever they start pra- they start practice up yeah. in february they go until may we have our high school stuff that we want to do with the kids in june july yeah. they're right back to their travel teams and yeah. you know then they finish travel into end, end of july and all of a sudden we start school again and we're talking about fall leagues And, you know, so there really is no time there when you think about the year as a Mm -hmm. whole. I mean, our kids are doing a lot and, you know, they don't want to miss out because they feel if they miss out, they're going to miss out on playing time. And not all kids are made differently. You know, at the collegiate level, all of those kids are there to play basketball. You know, we rely on kids who are not full time basketball kids, Yeah. Um, you know, so it it does. Like You know, like Coach said earlier, each program is uniquely different. And, you know, I think that's. You know that makes it interesting, and all the coaches are going to do some different stuff in regards to that. But it does, uh, you know, when you look at the year as a whole, some of those kids are playing a lot of basketball.
3: Yeah, yeah, I agree totally. That's, that's I mean, I, to see, to see, just when you, when you say that, you do fall leagues, and you got the regular season. And doing AAU as soon as regular season's over. I'll be honest; until leading into this year, before the, the NCAA and, and having the live, I wasn't going to any games in June. I was probably going to do maybe one team camp this summer. I was really going to scale back, and I've never done fall leagues. Um, never done fall leagues. When I was an assistant coach at Lovejoy High School about 10 years ago, we had a kid um, playing in a fall league. Pretty much Portion of this whole yeah. senior year. So I told myself I would never ever, you know, subject our team to a fall league again. So we just keep it all in house and we don't go do an official fall league. But yeah, I was really leaning towards scaling back and not doing anything, you know. But then, you know, when we changed the rules and we were giving the team camps in June, I had, you know, it's kind of forced into it. But yeah. you know, I agree, man. You know, it's a lot of basketball, a lot of up and yeah, down we- and
1: bouncing. Yeah. We're the same way. We only, we only did one team camp this year just for that reason. I mean, it, it's, there's a lot of stuff. I'd rather focus on individual skill stuff when we get in the summer and i you know, and there are different philosophies and there's coaches win all different ways. So I'm not saying one way is right. One way yeah. is wrong. It's just my, yeah. I know some coaches will play 30, 40 games in the summer and they hit the team stuff really hard in the summer. And you know, those coaches may take, you know, fall league off. I'm, We've been in and out of fall league. We'll play one year, not play the next year, maybe not play for a couple of years. I just kind of for us, it just kind of depends on, you know, the state of our team and our players and and what's going on around it. I'm not a big fan of it because I do think they need time off. But then, you know, sometimes as a coach, you just get caught up in, well, you know, everyone else is doing this. What happens yeah. if we don't? And then, you're, you know, then parents catch wind of it you know, well, those teams are playing fall league and you're not playing fall league. Yeah, why aren't you guys? And, you know, unfortunately, that's kind of the nature of our business. You know, I come from Ohio and uh, been in Georgia for seven years. And when I was in Ohio, it was, you know, we had 10 days of instruction in the summer. That's all we were allowed as a coach is 10 days. So if you went to a team camp for two days, that counted as two days. If you had a practice, that counted as one of your days. And, you know, when I came down here, it was like, oh, man, we have free reign in the summer. That's great. And I kind of quickly went against that because I realized as a coach, we're all ultra competitive. And so we want our kids working just as hard as anyone else. I, I'm to the point now where, I, you know, I didn't think basketball in Ohio was any different in terms of the the level of, you know, play that was on the floor. I mean, the athletes are a little bit different, but in terms of, you know, the basketball level was not any different they had 10 days so I'm kind of going back to that mentality like hey you know we should probably scale back and and put a limit on what we can do in the summertime Um, you know those kids can get enough into everything else they're doing uh, around the rest of the season that they don't need us as coaches saying hey I mean I mean I'm sure all of you guys are the same way your June calendar is booked full yeah and you know and whether it it may not be team camps but you're still going to have them in for practices or shooting uh skill development whatever and um you know it's a lot to ask of kids who you know are doing you want to encourage them to play other sports you want you know we have kids who as well as you guys do i'm sure you know are high in the academic stuff and pushing that they don't have a big break from that and it's a lot to ask for a 16, 17, 18-year-old brain. Um, you know, but like I said, some, some kids is different. Some teams are going to have 8, 9, 10 kids who are going to play college basketball. And, you know, for them, it's a little bit different than what we're going to get into.
0: Yeah, I, I, so is, is Fall League the same? Is that AAU?
1: No, Fall League, usually Fall Leagues are, are played with your high school teams, but with a different coach. As a coach, yeah. I can't coach my Fall uh. League team so you'll get you know you'll get someone who is familiar with your program that's gonna coach your coach your team and kind of prepare them for the upcoming season. They'll coach them in a fall league and it's only you know it's yeah yeah it's it's six or eight games, but you know it just puts a lot of pressure okay. on kids to be there because you got some kids who wanna who wanna play fall sports they feel like they're missing out on the basketball aspect they're just you know, it, it kind of creates a lot of different issues, um, you know, but it, it's it's the way it's, you know, kind of trending. Yeah. And,
2: and, see, I think that goes back to uh, – I, I think it was Roy that said what, what your, your – or, no, it's you, David, said it's kind of on a case-by-case basis. Uh, uh, if I have a team that probably needs to be in the gym a little bit more and they want to play, and I've got kids that want to play mm-hmm. fall. And, and I'll tell you about our situation at Sequoia, here's the deal. Uh, you know, we can never get in the gym, okay, during the fall because volley, wow. uh, volleyball – we, and we have two gyms. We're very fortunate to have two gyms. But volleyball goes 330 to 6, and then uh, junior volleyball comes in from 6 to 9 in the main gym, and then cheerleading is in the in the, in the aux gym. So – and, and like I say, and, and you know, good for cheerleading because, the, you know, those cheerle- cheerleading coaches are just as passionate about their sport as we are. Yeah. Um, so there's not much time, and one of the reasons I play a fall league game, fall league schedule, is just so our kids can get in, get in the gym, and run up and down the floor. And and I, like you were saying, you know, I've got a, i have got got a couple of parents coaching them, and I, and I flat out tell them, look, make sure everybody plays. I'm not worried about winning. If if at the end of the game you want to try to win the game, that's fine. But I am not going to worry about it. I, I just want you playing hard, and I want the kids running up and down the floor. Now, does that lend itself to somebody getting hurt? Absolutely it does, you know, and I worry yeah. about that. Uh, but that's the big thing is as our kids are begging to get in the gym because we can wow. really never get in the gym, you know, and, and I'm like everybody, I'll do the four-on-ones, and there's sometimes I'll roll a basketball out and let them play. Uh, but they they don't, you know, you know, they don't get a lot of time in the gym. Maybe other schools do, and they don't have the other things that we do. So – that's one of the reasons we play a fall league schedule uh, because I've been kind of looking even on Twitter about how there's lots of, no, we're not doing any fall league. We're not even going to take a chance, not even, you know, so I understand that too. And, and um, you know, so that, that that's kind of my take on it. That's what I tell everybody. Hey, I'm we're in a fall league just so they can play a little bit, run up and down the floor like a, a scrimmage, you know. Yeah without any constraints, without the code. See, remember, we're not over there, so it's not like we can get on to them or anything, you know.
0: Hmm. Interesting stuff. So it's not as bad. It seems like what I'm hearing about AAU is that they can play four games a day and in these tournaments is is that no true I don't or? think that's true. Uh, yeah.
1: Uh, the, that's it's like two, three, that's yeah. Sometimes I mean two is two is the normal yeah, uh, okay. You know, some, I guess on rare occasion, maybe they would play three if their coach says, hey, yeah, let's pick up another game or something. Typically, you would only get scheduled for two. Now, the yeah. team camps that, you know, that were, you know, you would have played three four of those games in a day. Yeah. And, you know, you would go down to a place and, and you would play over a two, two and a half day period. You may play, you know, seven, eight, nine games. That's We tried to get away from that stuff because that, you know, playing four games in, in the team camps in a day or whatever—I mean, that yeah. lends itself to injuries. It's just opening yourself up for that. But I think team camps are kind of getting away from that. Um, you know, we went to Clemson this year. And we played two games a day, and that was it. And uh, you know, that's that's a good amount. I think for the kids, that's not too taxing. You're not—you get a lot of basketball in, and you're not on the borderline of of creating a a bad situation where a kid could get injured because they're too tired and should not be playing. Yeah.
2: I, I think that goes back to what the depth is of your team. I, you know, I know I, I, for most of the summer I had, you know, uh, 13 players that, that showed up most of the time. And there were for quite a few times I would say, look, you, you guys are not playing. I'm just playing this group um, and everything. So a lot of it goes back to how many kids you're taking and everything. But – I used to be one that played way too many games at camps and, and some, but, but I've scaled back too. you know, three would be the absolute most I would ever play. My, and I like two better, especially, uh, you know, in the afternoon or something, if you're at a place all day long, you know, like a, a camp at Clemson or someplace like that, I could see playing three as long as it's, you know, one in the morning, one in the afternoon, one in the evening, and there's enough recovery time and you're, you're kind of, uh, Depth, you know, if you're out there trying to win every single game in the, in the summer by playing your top six, uh, you know, yeah, again, that's that's up to you on what you should do on that. But um, uh, you know, I think, that, and if I'm not mistaken, doesn't the NCAA have a rule that you can you can only play, you know, three, and it has to be a certain amount of time in between that. I know at one time they were talking about that. I think that?
1: during their live period, they're they're only supposed to play two games in a twenty four hour period.
2: Yeah, I think that's
1: what I was reading oh, okay. about, something like that.
0: Okay, that's good. Good stuff, there, coaches. Um, I'll start with you, Coach Welsh, and he's – final words as we get get ready to close the show out here?
3: No, just ready to get back to work. Well, I'm not sure if I'm fully ready, but uh, it's coming whether we want it or not. (laughs) (laughs) be here in a couple of weeks. And, um, (laughs) hey, just hit the ground running. And um, coaches and everybody else around the state and forward to having you guys come out and check the Langston News
1: game if you get the opportunity to.
0: Okay. What about you, Coach
1: May? Final thoughts? Yeah, hey, just – I really enjoyed this. I think these guys, for the opportunity, it was really fun to talk about some of that stuff. And, yeah, we got kids in this week, this Thursday. So, uh, so, we're right back at it. Lucky you. <laughs> yeah. Hey, good luck good, – I'm going to wish these guys good luck, too, as they go uh, through their season.
0: Definitely. You know? What about you coach Gardner? Uh, what do you uh, Again, your final
2: word? again, thanks so much for that. I I really had the opportunity and as I said, I, I had some time to uh, spend with uh, some extended time to spend with coach Wells and you know 12 or 13 other coaches uh, uh, throughout the summer when getting ready for the NCA Georgia camp. Uh, and and coach Wells and I've got a unique relationship in that the first game I ever coached at Sequoia High School, I think uh, we played them at Langston Hughes on a Tuesday night, and I, I think I think we might have scored 26. You know, that's, when he, uh, that's the year they won the state championship. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, it's been a uh, it's been a uh, long journey from from four years. You know, and we finally kind of got our program headed in the right direction now, and uh, you know, it's really excited excited about that. So, hope you guys can go get out and see a. Uh, uh, a, a Sequoia basketball game. It's, uh, you know, we play an exciting brand of basketball and, um, and, and coach knows I really advocate for my players and, uh, and, and uh, fight for them just as all his coaches do and everything. Um, you know, and right. I had opportunity to see, uh, West Forsyth's boys play. And of course, Langston Hughes boys and all the great code that, that was the neatest thing coach may about, uh, having, uh, the NCA Georgia is it brought me back to the the years where you know uh, sixty or seventy teams would go to University of Georgia and they would play and you'd get to see them you know back twenty five years ago. Yeah, that was the biggest thing about uh, uh, the the camp is just getting to see all your buddies, your friends, uh, teams you don't get to see a whole lot uh, all in one period, and, and it made it even even more. Uh, exciting being in front of uh coaches coach listen there there was a game we played uh, coach will back me up on this there was a game we played, and there's i can't. there's uh, you know seventy seven college coaches on the wall sitting over there watching a the game, and he could probably give you some uh some other examples of that too, so it was such an exciting time and I, you know i can't wait for the the one next year I think it's even going to be bigger and better, you know, so we talk about all this stuff in the summer and what we're going to be doing and and everything. Uh, just like i said everything i do next summer will be geared towards getting my kids ready for the ncaa georgia event
3: oh yeah that'll be the only game that'll be the only tournament we'll play in next summer we'll be, that's it yeah. that'll be it in june we'll prepare for it and we'll play for yeah. that it was an unbelievable experience
2: man and we're looking it for sure it next was. year as well it sure was but excited our kids come in on thursday so uh cool. a matter of fact we got a big coaches meeting in cherokee county tomorrow over at cherokee high school so i'll uh, I'll be at that first thing in the morning and uh, it's, it's, it's here and it's getting ready to get started. And, uh, you know, I, I love football too. So football has got first up, but I can't wait for basketball to start.
0: Yeah, we we sure we surely can't wait for November to be here, folks. Um, I want to thank coach May from West Forsyth, coach Welsh from, from Langston Hughes and coach Carden from Sequoia. Wish them well this basketball season This has been the Triple Threat Basketball Podcast. We thank you all for listening. Be blessed. And until next time, peace.
2: Peace. Thanks. Thanks.